hi, hello, and welcome to the after party. Not the last one. No. Nope. The one before the last one, which means it's the penultimate. Oh. oh. A word that I just thought meant last until I was about 26. Woo. Until I was like, you know, 18. I thought it had something to do with like written pins, like like pen, like the ultimate pen. Mm-hmm. I was very confused. I was a, I was a, not a very smart. That would make sense. Yeah. Teenager. Uh, I thought, yeah, I thought it was everyone's favorite um, writing device that they use. Yeah, me too. The ultimate pen. The ultimate pen. Wars were fought for that pen. So this is the level of jokes you can <laughs> assume we're going to have in this yeah. after party. Brandon, there's an entire hot dog question section if you wanted to know the actual vibe we're bringing to this episode. I love that you said uh, toppings or bottoms, like literally maybe 120 seconds into the episode, uh, episode 56, (laughs) but we'll get there in due time, folks. Stick with us. Let's begin, of course, with episodes 54 and 55. Join us, the kaiju fight. So uh, let's start with this question from Caffeinated Graham. Eric WTF, of course. Seriously, though, how does one go about creating custom monsters that are well balanced? Can you tell us a little bit about what made you think of this giant mountain lobster? Is it just because we let that creature go at the end of the first arc from the dock into the lake? Whence comes this giant mountain lobster and how do you start coming up with stats for it? Yes, that's exactly what happened. I always wanted Monty to come back in some sort of capacity, and I thought that this could start to kick off a lot of the stuff, and it it was kind of tied in with some of the bad people who are around in this arc. We had gotten kind of a sign. We have had some other animals before. They've been awakened animals, but we haven't had a giant animal before. We haven't really figured out what the People's River have been doing. It's floating around. Nice. Thank you. That was an aquatic pun. I did that intentionally. Nice. And we really didn't get a chance to go in there because we had to go from Wyvern's perspective in Bro, You Had to Be There. So we got some stuff about what was was going on in the area. But I always wanted to bring this in. I was very interested in trying to figure out how to make a giant fight, like a kaiju fight, like your small thing is big, in the way that you do in um, Shadow of the Colossus, which is my main inspiration. I ended up doing a lot of research on how to pull this together, and I found a zine called On the Shoulders of Colossus by uh, John Battle. You can find their itch, johnbattle.itch.io. And uh, you can also find the link in the episode description. And there was this idea of putting those little squares on the various limbs and body parts, various body parts of a giant Colossus. For those of you who haven't played Shadow of the Colossus, it's a PlayStation game where you're literally fighting massive beasts. But of course, like, that's the entire game, and then it becomes like a puzzle. Like, how am I going to attack this? Is there something that I need to do to bring it down? And it's always like, I'm going to climb up here, I'm going to do this particular strategy, I'm going to get on the head, and that's where the weak point is. And I was using that stuff to your advantage, so then when I showed you that map, you know, that has all the squares on it, those are like all the access points and the various different types of body parts that the kaiju had, and then it was like, you can climb this, you can run up it, but it's difficult terrain you can jump on it or with the fact of the tail if you broke its impenetrable armor with a dc 60 attack roll uh, put together then you would crack the armor and the tail would lower so you can run up in that way so there was a lot of different ways to do that in terms of balancing let your players interact with your enemies however they want did i think people were going to jump from the highway onto the top of the mountain lobster you're goddamn right i didn't (laughs) I mean, that's a lack of imagination on your part. I mean, that was clearly the right move, Eric. 
<laughs> you described a raised highway and a giant thing, and we all went, I know physics. <laughs> oh, well, you know, I, I forgot to look at all of your character sheets and base building game like Fortnite was <laughs> I didn't see that on any of your on any of your things. So I didn't think that was going to happen. We're Eric, we've really grown during the course of this campaign. And um, that's something that we all became proficient in. We all took one <laughs> level of Fortnite subclass. You you should have told me because you were you all told me it was for dancing and I thought that was fine, but then you decided <laughs> to do base building instead. So trapping the kaiju there I thought was really smart, and then you were able to jump on. But of course, you know you got to roll with the punches, but you still throw challenges in the way, which is well you're going to get slapped by a mountain giant mountain lobster claw. Like there's a lot of things that you need to balance at the same time, like getting shot by lasers, getting hit by the claw. Like I, I, you have stat blocks, but you have to allow it to be to show up in any situation possible and then if someone has an interesting idea how are the game mechanics going to fit in that it sounds a lot like your kind of index card method of dming or metaphor that you've used in the past which is you know people encounter it in whatever order they encounter it doesn't mean you can't take a card that was not used from two sessions ago and put it in front of your players now mm -hmm. yes i was trying my best and also it was fun taking the old Monty stat block that I had and reworking it to fit with a Colossus, which I thought was really fun. Oh my god, I forgot that Monty had stats and attacked us. Yeah, he's, he's a good boy. He's a good boy. Good boy, big boy. This comes from CC Problematic Mid-Tier. Eric, <laughs> what makes you choose different versions of turn-taking, like traditional initiative versus everybody on one turn, etc.? I've been wondering this too, how you just how you actually make that decision. That's a good question. I guess what I want to ask you three is how did you feel about needing to meet the kaiju where it was at? Because I thought that that was very important, but I did want to make this kind of like staged idea. Like you are you have to run, you know, like a video game level, how you have to do like half a level and then the other half is a boss battle. Like how did you feel kind of moving through and try, what is the fastest way to get to uh, the mountain lobster? No, I thought that was a great idea. And it, you know, if the mountain lobster was just like, right there when we came out of Dr. Morrow's house, the stakes wouldn't have felt as high, but the fact mm -hmm. that it was actively destroying our city and we had a race against time, it really kind of raised the stakes on giant kaiju fight, which already has pretty high stakes on itself. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I loved it because I, th I, exactly, I think it gave a nice pace to the actual playing of the game, you know, like it, it ups the stakes yeah. while we're in it, which... I feel and hope translated to tape. I think so too. It reminded me of like the Grand Central fight at the end of the first Avengers movie where I really got a sense of like there were other people around us also doing stuff, which definitely happened in that like long sequence as well where, you know, you can see people kind of in the background doing things or you kind of cut into different portions of like different heroes dealing with different threats. But the version of this was like stuff was happening in the background our choices had consequences, right? Like going one route may meant we, you know, lost opportunity somewhere else. And the chance to coordinate with my fellow players in fighting the obstacle and like challenging that beast felt really nice. I sometimes feel during initiative, like, you know, that's the point of initiative, right? Is that you, the order in which you go is not determined by you. Uh, it's determined by fate. But having the chance to kind of coordinate against such a big obstacle felt really right and kind of balanced. 
Mm-hmm. I also really like that as well. I like how you had to make choices and how to get there as fast as possible and navigate what was going on and having to deal with these mini challenges before you got there, like Brian Roper and a paramilitary squad, <laughs> like uh, saving your most hated enemy from a car crash. I thought those were all really interesting and you dealt with them with a plum, but that would have slowed you down and we might have had a different situation. There was another question that was asking about what would happen if you didn't intervene with the kaiju that's and like they're from re- the question surgeon michelle spurgeon Thank what you. what kind of path would the kaiju have carved if we didn't get there so fast yeah it was a hundred percent would have went from lake champlain across the city to downtown ultimately ending up with juice with two exclamation points where it would have uh gotten bigger somehow after eating its supply of one-up mushrooms that were still kept in the back no. uh so it would have been a problem this was also where january and des were you would have met up with them as they were like in downtown waiting for the kaiju to get there but you were able to stop it uh at kind of a uh like a a pit point that you were able to that you were able to figure out by getting there fast enough though it did destroy uh gaga and (laughs) they're gonna do a broadway review to raise money (laughs) to put to put the to put the school back together steven sondheim's hologram will be there um barbara aka barbara said will solita now be called demolita because it's been demolished a (laughs) hundred percent Seasons of us. <laughs> um, but to answer the, to answer the original question, I like using different initiatives depending on what we're doing. The game system should fit the sense of scope. This was a big fight with a big monster that also had involved movement and you getting there. So I thought that you taking turns and fighting against the clock was more important than having an actual initiative actual initiatives are when you have a specific battle and the thing you're focusing on are the tactics of that battle so like who is going to go when uh when order of who is attacking and where is really important that's why i like using it so it's usually like in an enclosed arena there are a lot of different people involved um, like there are a ton of different enemies. There are you also have allies at the same time. That's always important. Or when specifically it's important who goes when is when you use initiative. But you can also do something really loose. I mean, I've been uh, I've been thinking about PBTA, Powered by the Apocalypse games a lot, and there's a a real good flow into how those fights go. Um, that you can kind of just like do actions. And some of those actions are punch, and some of those actions are something else. And you can really learn uh, depending on on how different games fit together. Can I ask you a question about that? Please. When we are actually in the middle of doing that, like, how do you make it so the moves are equitable? Like, are you just depending on us three knowing how to play well with each other? Or, like, is there a way that other DMs could know how to do that? Or, like, what are you thinking when you're deciding, like, all right, y'all have done a move or y'all have done two moves. It's probably about time the monster goes. Or Julia hasn't played in a while. Let Julia go. You know what I mean? Yeah, for PBTA games, especially like Masks or Monster of the Week, it is if someone is doing too much, you say, hey, what this player, what are you doing? That is very much something that a keeper is supposed to do. Mm. With these games, I mean, literally, I'm game designing. Like, I'm making up a fight game mechanic, so it does need to still be fun, but I think that it's usually like one team goes, then another team goes. That's something that you might find in RPGs in video games, like you're playing your JRPGs, your Final Fantasies, etc., or different ones where you slot in different times. 
timelines or like something like Lancer is also like one team goes, other team goes. And that's usually like big punches where HP is really high is when you can do have one team go and the other team go. I think that's things that you can pull from D&D's past, like the surprise round is something from 3.5 where like you would get an extra thing for getting the jump on on someone else, but then you have to roll initiative anyway. But because the surprise is different than that, which I also find very interesting. So if it was going to be like one team goes, then the other team goes. And let's say you, uh, Brandon, your Milo snuck up on someone because they're invisible. They would get an extra attack, but then I would do something like, all right, well, it's going to be a team fight. You all need a roll initiative, and we're going to uh, use the average and compare that to the other team's initiative average. So, like, I do need to, like, make up a game <laughs> as it as it is, and games have to account for making sure everyone gets to participate. Shout out to Pokemon Legends Arceus, where I get one move, and then the three Pokemon I'm fighting get 17 in a row, and I die automatically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Julia, Abby would like to know how it felt to get right at the DC for hitting the sweet spot on the Kaiju, especially when Eric made it maximally dramatique. Good for the show. <laughs> bad for us <laughs> i mean you were there too amanda so like i i feel like it's a question for both of us but it really felt like in a comic book or in like a tv show or something like that when like all the powers unite and you see the swirl of everyone's different superpowers and then yeah. the power of friendship wins the day that's what it felt like it you put was your really rings nice. together you get mm-hmm. all the different uh Elements? What were yeah, they? Yeah, Captain Planet, Planet explodes Captain Planet. out of our rings and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I know that's the one cartoon my mom watched when she was a kid was Captain Planet, and so she would occasionally try to like make the Captain Planet thing happen. But like my younger siblings were too young, and they were just like, <laughs> "Is yeah, that that lick old, our hand and run away?" I guess so. My mom, I mean, my mom's pretty young, but yeah. Did someone? Was it really a fight of who had to be heart? Was that the issue? <laughs> yes. Your mom is like, no, one of you gets a monkey. And they're like, it's stupid. That's not an actual element. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I want the yeah. monkey. Maybe, so maybe your mom was thinking of the Wonder Twins. Was that a thing? Because they also, also had was rings, rings that, that was united and allowed yeah. them to have powers. It could be. Could be. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite band from the 70s is Earth, Wind, and Fire and Monkeys. Yay. <laughs> That's the cr- Hey, hey, we're Earth, Wind, and Fire. <laughs> I mean, ever since the preserver to multi-tool changeover, the first thing I thought about when choosing this subclass from no capes available at jointhepartypart.com slash merch uh, was, damn, I would have some fun combo moves with the rest of the team and I would definitely have put so much energy into figuring Mm -hmm. out how to do that. So the chance to enact that on tape and for that to be, you know, a like cinematic and lovely moment in the story was so fitting. I don't know if you planned for that, Eric, but it certainly worked out, I think. It's funny that you were leaning towards that because although I I had an idea, uh, and I had written this down even before we had come together, about how to take apart the colossal armor, as I had said, th- that the there, if you did want to try to destroy this thing, you had to defeat the colossal armor before the its weak points were exposed. You had to do a combo of 60 on an attack, uh, which was what you ended up doing, but you could have poured, like, checks and magic into this together, and it just so happened that you wanted to do that anyway, and I kind of, like 
guided you through how it actually fit into the game mechanics. Mm -hmm. So I wrote combo of 60 on a single attack, pouring magic slash checks into one attack, busting through the armor will lower the tail, and the underbelly is the throbbing weak point. I don't know if anyone heard me say the word throbbing. (laughs) Did you? Um, Yeah, I think I heard that. But I said it many times and people complained complained about it. The Discord had nothing to say about it, so... Oh, but it was really cool and everyone loved it when I said the word throbbing. Mm. I, I it was visceral and everyone <laughs> responded to it. Mm-hmm. I don't this isn't Nintendo's fault. Y'all should go check out <laughs> Yoshi's Island and look at all those dudes with a with a bandage X on their tummy and a big red spot. I don't know what else you want me to call it other than throbbing. And of course, I always thought the the, the most interesting part was that the melee attack was fifteen feet up. So I'm just like, you can't just punch it. You gotta jump and punch it. You gotta see I wanna see what happens. <laughs> so you're able to pull that combo together, which I thought was really cool. Hell yeah. One of Aggie's uh, other combos that hasn't made it into the campaign yet is called a meet and three. <laughs> and uh, I'll just leave that to you to decide what it is. Yeah. I was um, very impressed and proud of you two because I had assumed Eric was like, you three should do a team up power move and like battle this lobster. But like the, the last second moment, I think it was Amanda to bring in the Knight of Mirrors to give you that extra boost. Like, I think that even though I think the Night of Mirrors rolled pretty poorly, it was like the extra <laughs> 12 you needed or whatever. We needed it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that what I sound like? I Because I don't like you listening to back to myself, but it, it, do I sound like, oh, you should all do a combo move? No. No, that's what I sound like in my head when I'm trying to suggest <laughs> things to people. That's, that's your inner voice doing me, do, doing you, doing yes, me? Yes, exactly. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> speaking of voices, Eric, Absaw13 would like to know, did Triplicate watch Inventing Anna and channel Anna <laughs> Delvey during the battle? So poor. God, I wish. That would have been so much fun. That would have been so much fun. I wish I had known that uh, well known enough for Triplicate being there. Not VIP. Not exclusive. You can't use it. VIP. That would have been incredible. It's just a game of accent telephone because she was imitating someone else. I was realizing, and I'm going to start doing this in the stuff that we have coming up. Uh, when I want to do voices, there are already impressions and voices I already know, and I want to start putting them in. I think it was when we were listening to our favorite podcast, uh, Hey Riddle Riddle, and we do an impression of, of Little Monkey Bones, who is a little, whatever that means to you, but <laughs> definitely in my head, they're like two feet tall. The name I, explains it. Yeah, yeah, Little Monkey Bones, you know. And they're like, hey, I'm Little Monkey Bones. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, that's just a South Park voice that they put on this character. And I thought that was really great. And I realized that I've been doing a lot of voices because we've been watching all of these, speaking of-, of All the scammer documentaries. All the scammer yeah. documentaries. <laughs> and they all have very specific voice that, voices you take from somewhere else. Like Elizabeth Holmes is just, like, you just say the word technology, real, that stands out. Technology. Like, I, can't, I can't even do it. <laughs> we, we're going, we're, we're going- to revolutionize the way you look at blood. And Eric, I love that voice. you get hit with an SEC violation if you keep going. <laughs> Jesus. And I want to put that on someone. But I also realized that, like, Jarrett Leto's accent in We Crashed is just him doing a Borat accent. Because... <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen's Borat voice is just his try him trying to do an Israeli because he put all of the Jew- all of this Jewish stuff into Borat. So it's <laughs> So it's just like my wife. My we wife crashed, we work. <laughs> my nice. We teach. Wait, no, we, we work. My bad. So I want Brandon, all all the same scam. You're totally <laughs> it's right. It's all fun. 
So I want to like put all of this. I feel like I want to put all these voices together. I wish I had done the Anna Delvey voice for Triple K. That would have been perfect. We played this before the documentary came out, unfortunately. I know. And that's on me. That's my fault. I should have waited to use my you best were like, Shonda has voices. some shit she's cooking up and I, I need it. Everyone's cooking in that <laughs> Everyone's fucking cooking. show. I know. Josh Molina shows up for five minutes as a billionaire. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. It's so good. It's really good. It's really good. We are going to recenter ourselves, take a break, head to the kitchen, refill our chip bowls, our chips and dips, our pretzel-sized tray of pretzels, our charcuterie board, our charcuterie table. Buffalo crayfish. Exactly. Buffalo crayfish. Mm-hmm. And I love that we were really still on our shit making making up food in the third to last episode of yeah. this Yeah, Julia, do you regret introducing the, no. the Mountain Lobster no. to this campaign? Oh, no. Okay. No. Because I don't. You no. shouldn't. You ask as um, Julia has a, the Mountain Lobster hat directly behind her camera. Literally right behind me. It's, good it's the one hat that I didn't put in storage when I moved. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Well, I'm going to go do that in the kitchen, heat up some little pigs and blankets, and Ooh. I'll be right back. Hey, it's Amanda. I am in general a cold weather kind of gal, but there is something particularly wonderful about the first week in spring that I'm able to walk to work without a jacket on. And if I am particularly lucky, somebody like a barista or a neighbor or a shopkeeper that I have been seeing a lot over the winter and who sees me without my coat on says like, oh my gosh, you have tattoos or oh my gosh, I like your tattoos. It is a very underrated part of having tattoos that people talk about your tattoos um, in a lovely way. And just that first moment of being able to go out into the world and saying like, yes, I have made my body into art. And now people get to see it. I love it. So let me be your bad influence. Go get tattoos. Welcome to the mid-roll. First and foremost, thank you to all of our new patrons. Welcome, Laura, Cuss, Rudy, Knight of Aces, Clay, Danny, Sam, Kiwi, and VK. We really, really appreciate your support. Did y'all know that the JTP Patreon Discord is straight up the happiest place on the internet. It is true. We have so many new friends in there as well after we hit our goals over the last couple of months. So there are tons, like more than 100 new people to meet and new pets to see. Go to patreon.com slash join the party pod and become a patron where you can also enjoy the dozens, if not hundreds of bonus playlists and stories and recordings and audio that we published over the last four years. That's patreon.com slash join the party pod. Just as a reminder on our housekeeping, there are three weeks left of campaign two. I can't believe it. Next week and the week after are our last two story episodes of the campaign. No big deal. And finally, a special after party at the end of the book the week after that. But when we said no more bad Tuesdays, we meant it. You'll have much, much more coming your way after that. It's also a great day to check out another Multitude show. This week, I want to recommend a show that will always remind me of springtime because it came out almost exactly two years ago. The anniversary was last week. It's Next Stop. This is an audio sitcom written by our own Eric, directed by our own Brandon, and cast and assistant directed by our own Julia. This is all about the turbulent time of your mid to late 20s when people are changing around you and you're worried you might not catch up. Across the 10 episodes of its first season, Next Top follows three roommates through work, relationships, friendships, and more. And uh, true story, one of uh, our main three characters is now um, in a Broadway play. Uh, One has been on uh, Billions, and one is a TikTok star. I'll let you guess who's who. (laughs) So go to nextstopshow.com or search for Next Stop in your podcast player. It is delightful. We are so proud of it, and we hope you enjoy. 
We are sponsored this week by Hero Forge. Hero Forge offers fully customizable tabletop miniatures with dozens of fantasy species and thousands of parts to choose from. Their easy-to-use design tool lets you build your perfect miniature online using a fully 3D and shockingly in-depth character creator right there in your web browser. Truly, if I have like 15 minutes between meetings, I will just build a character on Hero Forge because it is so fun to do. These custom minis come in a variety of materials, including their new color printed options, and they have downloadable model files for people to 3D print their unique designs at home. So if you have a 3D printer, hey, check it out. That's so cool. Design your unique miniature and get it printed in full color. No painting needed for those of us who think that painting minis is a wizardry in science that is unavailable to us with Hero Forge custom color minis. Visit heroforge.com to start designing your custom mini today and check back often because new stuff is added every week. We are also sponsored by Squarespace. Am I a real podcast now? Because I get to say I'm sponsored by Squarespace. This is a super easy to use and beautiful tool for building your brand and growing your business online. I've been using Squarespace for more than 10 years to run businesses like my resume editing side gate in college, my very first podcast, this podcast, and now all of Multitude. Making a website on Squarespace is, in fact, the part of launching a new podcast that we may or may not be doing soon that makes it feel really real. And they make it very, very easy to do. I love their beautiful custom templates. They have very easy to use SEO tools. So when people Google your business or your project, you can help make sure that you come up when they're looking for the thing that you are. And of course, they have online stores to sell physical or digital products. I've done both and it's super easy. If you're launching a podcast brand or business, let Squarespace be your toolkit. Go to squarespace.com slash join the party for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code join the party to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Finally, this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Relationships take a lot of work. A lot of us will drop anything to go help someone we care about. We'll go out of our way to treat other people well, give them the benefit of the doubt. But how often do we give ourselves the same treatment? Recently, my therapist asked me to kind of talk to myself as if I was talking to a friend. And it was so moving and shocking because I would treat her much better than I would treat myself. And this month, BetterHelp wants us to use this ad to remind you to take care of your most important relationship, the one you have with yourself. That might be taking a walk, taking a break to hydrate and to stretch, petting, uh, you know, a soft creature, whether that's a pet or a stuffed air bison like I do. Um, or it might be using a tool like therapy. And BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It is much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist under 48 hours. Give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp online therapy. Once more, this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Join the Party listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash Join the Party. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash Join the Party. And now, let's get back to the after party. Okay, people, it's the hot dog corner. This <laughs> hot dog is going to revolutionize the way we look at snacks. <laughs> <laughs> Amanda Seyfried, get that fucking Emmy, girl. She fucking deserves it. She was so good. <laughs> she really does. Okay. We have many hot dog questions that, Eric, you have uh, conveniently collected into the hot dog questions corner. Um, first of all, uh, Tinker BC would like to know, what are your hot dog orders? I am a ketchup and stone ground mustard 
and I need that hot dog to be either like extremely crisp or like burnt on the grill. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Hundred percent. Yeah. I I am similar. I, I either go really simple, like I want a ni- a good hot dog, that's the number one thing, properly charred and like ketchup mustard maybe. Or I go full out and like get something weird, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. I like all hot dogs, like even even like the worst, cheapest grocery store kind on a grill on like the most flimsy, like white bread bun with knockoff ketchup. Like I'm <laughs> I'm happy. I like mm-hmm. it. I'll put like a pickle and, uh, you know, some some like potato chips on top Ooh. or not like uh, any any version of hot dogs, I, I think is great. Cut it up in your mac and cheese. Like really, we were a, a hot dog family um, growing up and I love them. But much like Aggie, I will I will just get like street dog with ketchup. Um, I don't really fuck with yellow mustard or even stone ground mustard. But I predict, I think that Eric is going to mention my most favorite hot dog place in New York City, where I will get pretty much anything on the menu because it's all great. Crypto? Yes. Yes, I'm going to talk about Crypto. Yes! Yeah! Also the best bar in New York City. That's best also place true. in New York City. I, I first want to say, just I'm a, I'm very much like Amanda's family. We were very similar. I will put hot dogs as a meat substitute in lots of different things, especially mac and cheese. I've done that recently. It's fucking delicious. <laughs> I was a ketchup person, and my twin brother was a mustard person <gasps> in the way that you have to choose things when you're siblings. So that was, but I've come around on mustard. I love that spicy boy. Um, yeah, I want to talk about <laughs> Crypt Dogs, which is an incredible, incredible hot dog place on St. Mark's in uh, the East Village village of new york city amanda brandon and i when we were drunk in college we definitely went here many times and julia i'm sure you did the same uh, at whatever age it is you were drunk and had late night crypt dogs <laughs> early 20s let's yeah. go they have tons of, of amazing stuff i want to shout out uh two particular ones that are incredible there's one called the chihuahua which is a bacon wrapped hot dog with sour cream and avocado and then my personal favorite is the spicy redneck a bacon wrapped crypt dog with chili coleslaw and pickled jalapenos my favorites are there's like a peanut butter and bacon one um, which i think has chips on top and then they have one with a fried egg and american cheese and a bacon wrap hot dog which um eric you want to just go off about the construction of that hot dog because uh, it is so amazing that one was great that was pre-pandemic that one's not on the list anymore i think it was like the pregnant no it's, it's there it's called the good morning no, the the pickle and peanut butter one. Oh, that one's I mean, on. it we was lo- so good. We lost peanut butter in the pandemic, oh. guys. <laughs> <laughs> it was called like the pregnancy craving or something because it was pickles Ooh. and peanut butter. Whatever, um, come at me, love it. You no, know, in a delicious way. This one, the Good Morning bacon wrapped uh, crift dog fried egg American cheese. It was stacked like it was a bodega sandwich. It was so interesting. Like the egg was below the hot dog yes. and then the cheese was on top of everything else. I thought it was really, really interesting. And that was a new one that they brought to Crypt Dogs. Can I blow both your minds right now? Please. Do you want to have the best night you've ever had in New York City? Yes. Yeah. You go to PDT, mm-hmm. assuming you can get in early. Go early, like see, mm-hmm. you can get like third on the list, like when they, right when they open, get in. Sit at the bar. If you sit at the bar, you can get Crypt Dogs. That's true. So uh, <laughs> I did that right before I saw Hades Town by myself. Yep, you can't order it at the Ooh. table, but I think I don't think. Um, but yeah, if you sit at the bar, you get cheese tater tots, cheese sauce with tater tots, a hot dog, and then the best cocktail you get ever, and it's the best night. Yeah, damn. When the only time I've been there, which is you go through Crypt Dogs and then you go through a telephone booth into this speakeasy called PDT, please don't tell, and you're supposed to like punch in the number on the telephone. It's very good. 
The only time I went, I sat at a table, so I did not know that. that I haven't been there know. yet. I have to do it. Oh, it's okay. I went with Jeff because I don't know if you could tell. Obviously, Jeff loves PDT. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, uh, maybe uh, Brandon, when you're when you're back, we can try to make it work. Oh, fuck yeah. yeah! I used to go because Andrew knew the like uh, host person, so we mm. yeah, they just skipped the line. We got to skip the line like four times, which is yeah. one classic. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta. That that is the most Andrew thing I've ever heard. Yeah. You can also call right when they open and make a reservation. That's the second. Oh, yeah. That's shit. That's the move. Yeah. Uh, Dominic uh, WKI says, "Would any of the characters consider a completo, aka a Chilean hot dog?" Uh, and then they explain that a completo is bun, mayo to moisten the bun, sausage, diced tomato, maybe some kraut, mashed avocado, ketchup, and mayo, and maybe mustard on top. I'll fuck with that. Everything but the mayo. I just fuck me up. Mayo doesn't do it for me. I think, I'm I'm, I'm pro mayo all the way. I will say because this is a non-American treat, I'm sure it will be treated with delicately and nicely <laughs> instead of just slopping it on top. You but know my what I issue mean? is it's both mayo to moisten the bun and also mayo on top. Maybe like mayo just to moisten the bun, but you already have tomatoes, so you don't really need the moistening from the mayo because <laughs> the tomato is going to be plenty moist itself. No, that's true. I, 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 I wonder if there's I don't know what you're like, talking about. Put it on anything. <laughs> I wonder great. if there's a toasting element to that because it seemed yeah. like when this question asker messaged us this, it seemed like it was optional and it was something that they used for uh, facilitation of their own uh, delectable uh, hmm. ideas. I mean, this looks legit, y'all. Like, I would, I would, di- all of us, I think, would eat this hot dog and then we may borrow bits of it in our home life. I want to give you my high low of hot dogs. Ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Hi. Bratwurst, does that count as a hot dog? I think so. Yeah. It's a a sausage that you eat in a bun. Sure. Yes. Bratwurst, sauerkraut, mustard, best thing on a bun, period. Worst. Have you guys ever had a Seattle dog before? No. No. Oh, my God. Okay. So uh, when we went to PodCon here, Lauren took me to this cart that's right outside of the uh, downtown convention center that the convention was at and they have seattle style hot dogs and it's a thing here and lauren and brigan were like oh this is the best this is the best fucking hot dog it's so good (laughs) it's a hot dog topped with cream cheese and sauteed onions i mean i get it but on top of a hot dog unnecessary it i tried one bite it's so fucking gross (laughs) i can only imagine how unwieldy the, un- the sautéed onions are on this thing. What's also fucking wild of what I'm looking for, looking at is that it's a hoagie roll and not even a hot dog roll. Oh, no. I don't know, man. I don't know, what man. What the fuck? I love this city so far that I've lived in it. That's the one thing where I'm like, y'all are wrong. Y'all are wrong. That feels incorrect. like a real kind of refrigerator meal where you have like an eighth of a of a pound of cream cheese, one stale hoagie roll, <laughs> a single hot dog, and like leftover sauteed onions from steak night a few nights ago. And you're just like, I don't know. But like even then, chop up the hot dog, saute it, skip that cream cheese, throw it out, and just like use the bread to sop up like the juices. That's that's you a better it. combo. Yeah. Nightmare. 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 I also want to say that I'm a proponent of using cream cheese as the cheese on a sandwich. Like, that's not what's bothering me. It's the combination of all of those things that feel really ups- deeply upsetting. Oh. I'm just not into hot plus cream cheese. Like, if if yeah. I if I ever get cream cheese or tofu cream cheese for, for the delicate Tums among us, I never get it on a toasted bagel because I don't fuck with that. Yeah, it's weird that you're wrong, Eric. But, yeah, uh, <laughs> it, I like that you have that opinion. The only time you can have cream cheese is on... On a sort of sandwich is like on a toasted bagel with nothing else. That's fine. No, no, no. But like, or like at home, we'll do like toasted rye bread, let the bread cool. 
then put on like thin layer of cream cheese, lox, uh, you know, like pickled something pickled and delicious, you know, salt and pepper, open face sandwich. But that's a better that's better with a bagel if you had a bagel, right? Let Brandon say his bad food tips. Okay, you're right, him, you're right, you're right, you're right. Him, after Applegate, he Brandon can say whatever he wants, and we're just gonna let him hang. Cream cheese only should be on bagels. No, oh, incorrect. It's mixed into something. Incorrect. I also, I just want to um, just take a moment and chastise Marlbell, who really wanted us to eat up a good 20, 30 minutes of the second to last after party of campaign two with um, the question of is a hot dog a sandwich? No one answered. No. No one say a thing. <laughs> a no one say a thing. It's a trap. Why is this trap. continuing to be a debate? We're I don't understand these people who are like, well, if it's this, it's a ravioli. And if it's this, it doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> Hot dog is a ravioli. Stop, Brandon. Okay. Brandon, this is a trap. It's a trap. <laughs> All right. Moving on to the rest of episode 56, Hot Dogs and Pixels. Love that. Uh, Mage Silverleaf would like to know, was the hot dog scene a reference to Shawarma and the Avengers? course it was yes it was the best part of that entire movie and <laughs> maybe the best part of the entire marvel existence on the silver screen was that one moment but because you know they could film it inside of a shawarma shop and not like a covered green screen studio somewhere in atlanta there was no cgi involved in it it was this beautiful little moment and i wanted to recreate something like that after the kaiju fight i thought it was really nice yeah I loved it. Um, I'm sorry to introduce the thought of um, Aggie's transparency and organs. That was just a misunderstanding between Eric and me um, <laughs> that, you know, snuck into the tape. I don't know, Brandon, if any like gremlins have taken over, but um, I regret it. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sorry. Sometimes the holy gremlin just it comes inside of me and doesn't allow me to edit things out. So <laughs> this subsection titled Ship of the Century. Thank you, Eric, um, is all about obviously the ship of the century, which Zaylavor would like to know, is this ship name of Dr. Former Mayor Morrow and Hank Hassandra or Kasank? <laughs> I like Kasank. I like Kasank as well. It. It's a good ring. Uh, I tried some of the other ones out. I thought Kank was interesting. <laughs> and then also uh, Dr. Mayor Director could just that. Dr. That's Mayor pretty good. Director. That's fine. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's what their uh, doc that they're going to adopt together is named. <laughs> Dominique would like to know if Milo and his dad move to Dr. Morrow's house, which will be their favorite rooms? Are you going to sleep in the telephone room, Brandon? Like, that's a guest room, so I would definitely want to have my own room, you know? But that's definitely still going to be my favorite, the London room. <laughs> Where else is he? He's not going to go into the fucking Chile room and say, oh, I'm in foggy Chile town, you know? Like, where else is he going to do his <laughs> no. accent? No, you're totally right. Think. You're Think totally before right. you ask these questions, people. <laughs> I feel like I feel like Milo has really camped out in the British room. I don't know if anyone else would willingly go in the British room anymore. <laughs> I think it's Milo's yours room. now. Yeah, like like the guest robes and towels have been changed over to have your, like, your monogram on them. <laughs> so cute. They're all tuna monogrammed, obviously. And uh, Hank would sleep uh, in the master bedroom with Dr. Morrow because they're obviously. in love and they're gross. <laughs> I can't believe you would move back. I have no problem with people moving back in as adults with their parents, but Milo moving back in with the newly romancing. <laughs> That's the honeymoon so phase. Let them have their alone time. Let them have their honeymoon phase. There's also Des in January. I don't know where Des lives, but there's also January. You know? You get to hang out in January. I guess. I would give him a good couple months, though. I, I would not visit for like a good month after their commitment ceremony. Yep. Well, yep. he also needs to be there to make sure there's no hanky panky going on, you know. Oh, Milo, I have bad news. Oh god. <laughs> also, I don't like that you use you used that euphemism for sex. 
I don't hanky like Cassandra. Yeah, because it's hanky. Yeah, it is. Mm. Hanky. Good point, Julia. No. They're making whoopee. No. All right. <laughs> Abby Zamet would like to know: Is Emily going to be okay without an outlet for all her girl boss energy? Oh my god! Not a thing I worried about, <laughs> but now I am. I think she got over it, right? Like she matured. Like wasn't at the end of the thing, you know? I was not prepared for the amount that was going to be taken away from Emily Slaughter in this episode. (laughs) (laughs) That she was going to be broken down and have absolutely no friends by the end. But, you know, that's the way the cookie crumbles. Here's what I'm going to say. Even as we get to these last two episodes, and I think we're going to talk about this more next After Party. The way that these stories are told is that we only get to see as much perspective as the heroes investigate. We don't know a lot about Emily Slaughter. So she she's she, she might have been pushed to her limits both from being when she was kidnapped and in this particular situation, but I I don't think we can say necessarily of what's going to happen to her going forward. I could still have my headcanon though. Yeah. Oh, everyone should have your headcanons. I have my headcanon, but if we're not touching it like, it doesn't get recorded, you know what I mean? So I think that there is going to be a lot of ambiguity still in Lake Town City even after these, these last two episodes. Well, it doesn't get recorded with us four. I have my, my podcast that I put out every week. That's my headcanon oh. of... Do you guys not do it? You haven't listened to my show? I mean, you really should tell us more about these things. This because, is so embarrassing. Like, we want to support you, Brandon, but if you don't Thank share you. your work with us... We can't oh, I have, I have like 7,000 patrons. You didn't... Well, how how would we have known, Brandon? How would we have known? <laughs> Brandon, you gave me a banana that had the word RSS written <laughs> on it, and you said it was your podcast, and I'm like, I guess. I ate the banana, if that's enough. Now you have to slide the peel into your phone, and oh, then that's no. how you get the access to the RSS. So you guys do listen, then. Did you, did you know, guys, <laughs> that if at night you put your iPhone and a banana in a paper bag, um, it makes the podcast ripen faster? And it comes out an hour earlier? <laughs> that's how you get early access for it Brandon's podcast. I really don't like that Spotify isn't Peel accessible. I know. I think that they really need to that's do that point. if they're going to be the, the head of audio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> So let's now get into Clarification Corner Special Edition Pixel Corner. This is like a collaboration sneaker line uh, where they, they release them at a certain time and there's not enough and you buy them, but then bots buy them and rebuy them for more in the secondary market. Yeah, I bought this for $500 on StockX. Yeah. All right, let's get into who was Pixels, who wasn't, and what it all means, starting with Taxonomy. Full Pixels? Yes, Taxonomy was full Pixels the entire time. And dead. Always, always Pixels since putting taxonomy in the game pixels taxonomy was always pixels yes okay great i feel less bad about killing a person then (laughs) (laughs) this might be a good question to start with um a few people were asking kind of how long you knew eric that people were pixelated how long gutenberg knew they were pixelated what can you tell us at this stage because there's obviously still a little bit left to learn in the campaign Yes. So here's the, also the thing about D&D is that it's not just as a storytelling medium. It isn't just about like, what do you do and what are you putting in movie like a movie or a book where it's like, I'm going to put everything in here and it's and then here's the story. Right. Is that sometimes you want to make something fun for your friends. Right. And you need people to explore it and make interesting game engagement. I've got a lot of questions about like 
the sentience idea of pixel people and also some ideas of like when did I know people were pixels and when were they swapped out as pixel people like Shannon Redwine, a.k.a. Shannon Whitewine. When did that happen? <laughs> you know, so I don't want to reveal too much. This might be too much of me taking pulling the curtain back and you seeing what's behind the curtain. I will say, as someone pointed out on our Discord, this was uh, Raven-Eyed. They said, I feel like saying I killed a representation of my high school bully is a statement a lot of people wish they could have said. Mm-hmm. That's true. And like, and like, that felt like I wanted to give that to Julia more of whether or not I knew the entire time that hard body was pixelated. Sure. So I, I, there are some things I want to keep in mystery a little bit, but more so, you know, sometimes you do things because it's fun or funny and you want to make, you want people to have a good time than in making like plot sense. Right. In some ways. I will say, yeah, taxonomy was there the entire time. I think that like Gutenberg kind of like tried to make stuff and then just kind of sent it out into the world. Like he had a directive for all of them as like unwitting spies and then kind of sent them out. Like whether or not they existed beforehand, I don't think so. I don't think they were self-aware in that way or knew they were pixelated necessarily unless he could like, you know, I had the idea that he had like a big... (laughs) <laughs> he had like a big monitor so he could like zoom in on one of them and see what they were seeing maybe or like hear it or have a summary of some of the stuff you know just like real bad guy shit so but you know it's i'm keeping it squishy so that we have a we have a good time yeah yeah not everything is a hard cold fact right yeah not everything is a hard cold fact because i could even tell you necessarily but i don't want to because i think that what we talked about spoiling the magic in the last after party and this one i think might spoil it a little bit if i told you all my crunchy secrets about who was pixelated and who wasn't yeah for sure a thing i want to run by you my read on sour anthony was that his snacks were kind of made using the one-up mushrooms and that was where he was getting his power from, which we've kind of guessed from the very beginning that yeah. like his snacks, you know, were, were powering him. Um, but how does like pixels or pixel constructs kind of intersect with vitamin M and or Sour Anthony? What is your headcanon? Yeah, I think some of this is a little bit who can say, but the glasses, the Hank bands definitely reveal things that you wouldn't have seen otherwise. And again, this is this was also a little bit for ease of use. They're like, you see something's different about Sour Anthony. And you guys were looking for pixel stuff, so maybe the pixels were involved in his snacks. But yeah, Sour Anthony, I'll say it right now, Sour Anthony does not have inherent powers. He was eating snacks. He was eating one-up mushrooms to give him flying powers the entire time. Classic. Which is so funny that I didn't get a <laughs> chance to say that because he was intimidated and sent out of town before, which is so funny. The one thing that he wants more than anything is for people not to know his stupid fucking secret. And he left without... <laughs> there was nary a roll. It was incredible. I'm sorry, Eric. I don't mean to correct you, but you said flying and you really meant hovering, right? Yeah, because he can't fly. I don't care what his name is. He can't fly. It's a good point, and um, I'll I'll review it. Uh, I'll review <laughs> it with the team back in the back in the back. Uh, but I think that this will be the last time that I get to say oh, "fuck you, guys, fuck you, and fuck you, and you're cool, and fuck you." That's the last time I get to say that. I want you to know that was one of my favorite scenes ever to role play. <laughs> it was so it was well threatening done. Sour Anthony to get the fuck out of town. Both of you did such a good job. It was a pleasure to listen to. Oh, sorry. I have a question here from um, at Little Monkey Bones. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh, nice. Uh, Eric, if one of one third of the people enjoying the party are pixels, which one out of Brandon, Amanda, and Julia are pixels? Here's the thing. 
Most people would say Brandon, <laughs> but I think that that's a ruse, and it's definitely Amanda. No. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's always the one you would least expect. The one you can s- currently smell? <laughs> yeah, the one, the one I'm, I'm smelling. No, I think that they, this is like when you play Werewolf or you play like any of those lying games, is that you might have a, stra- you have a strategy to lay low and for someone not to notice you, and you just try not to stay noticed as much as possible, and that's Amanda's strategy for me. <laughs> Makes sense. Makes sense. Also, thank you, Little Monkey Bones. Longtime fan, first-time caller. I really appreciate that. <laughs> All right, folks, let's close out with some game and character questions, a couple questions about the podcast, um, and then our final spoily corner, perhaps, of the campaign. Ooh. Oh, my God. Wait, that's hitting me. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Here is a question from Mod Bray. Thank you, Bray. Wanted to know how I felt about the potential truth that all this time Aggie becomes translucent when she stretches. I disagree. (laughs) I think my costume uh, protects my modesty and my organs. And, like, even if it didn't, like, if you stretched your hand out, we wouldn't see through your hand. Right. You just, like, if you put your hand, you know, close to a lamp and you see, like, you know, redness inside, that's fine. No. Not not Nike. In, in my world, none of that. <laughs> no, no. So, I agree. But, like, so, like, you're when you're stretching out, you're not becoming thinner. It's not like you're stretchy dough, right? Like, it doesn't become thinner. It just becomes more, right? I think the space between the atoms increases. Oh, that's my preservation. Well, of if there's more space, here. then you might become more translucent. You know. Mm-mm. Thank you, Brandon. No. Doing our own research. No. I would say that you're adding more atoms, essentially. So, like, your hand doesn't like stretch as in like it gets thinner and stretched out. It just becomes bigger. You know. Yes. That. Yes. That's that's the explanation I'm going with. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All of the scientists who listened to join the party or, explained to us how this works. Wait, maybe Aggie is, maybe multi-tool is denser than normal. And so oh. when she stretches to her full capacity, that matches the density. It's like if you have, you know, like a, a puff pastry dough that's like super folded up and then you roll it out to be regular thickness. It's not, you know, there's there's a lot there because it's many, many layers. Oh, Aggie's laminated, guys. Aggie's laminated. Makes sense. Makes sense. You bake her, she puffs up like phyllo dough. This is where the Dr. Mario black hole things come from. No, Aggie turns she's into not allowed near any black holes. Aggie is so <laughs> dense, turns into a black hole, destroys the world. Br- Brandon, that's what if join the party where, <laughs> where uh, Aggie stretches so much she becomes a black hole. All right. This one's from Lena, comma, collector of dots. What is January's favorite video game? And follow up from Venic, does January need a special controller for his lethal boss? Oh. So Des absolutely created a special controller for his little paws, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. I think so. So that they can game together. I don't, I think it would have to be, it would have to be an arcade style controller, right? Because January doesn't have opposable thumbs. Yeah, I was thinking something. I don't know if you've seen the the accessible controllers with like the really big pads. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there's like really big buttons. But since January is faster, you know, like we have fingers and hand and dexterous hands, so we can hold the controller and push the buttons while we hold it. But I wonder if January can like tap faster, so it's more there. The buttons are more discreet. I'm picturing like an ergonomic keyboard where it's like kind of a semicircle, and he, you know, his he, he there aren't levels and like a back to the controller, but he can like reach all the buttons at the same time yeah oh i mean january also has the advantage of being able to use his feet too you know it's good Ooh. he has oh january has pedals of like course, a, like Brandon. adaptive steering i love that yeah oh, i thought oh, he was yeah. gonna jump on the buttons but that's fun too no pedals. <laughs> also cute I, I like the idea that he that january goes into like a rig or something oh yeah the, the prototype <laughs> was a ddr rig oh i love that <laughs> 
It's like like an eye racing rig. What they have now, it's like a it's like a a chair, and then just fully has all four limbs up. I love that a lot. I love that. Uh, Lena also asked, um, "Does Aggie have a designated pocket simply full of hair ties and bobby pins?" You know it naturally. You know it. Players, anything else you want to touch on before we hit uh, perhaps the final spoily corner? I think I think next time we may have a spoily corner of just like headcanon corner. So this is the last spoily <laughs> corner. Or maybe we do spoilies for the next. Next thing we're done, you know. Mm-hmm. 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 I take it. Um, I do have one thing, Eric. Yeah. Thanks for doing this campaign. It's great. Hey. I'm excited Aww. for hey, the last you, couple buddy. episodes. It's good, folks. It's time for our final spoily corner of the campaign. Are we ready? Yeah. Yeah. Emotionally, physically. I'm holding on. I suppose so. Spiritually, lobsterly. I'm strapped in. Crustacially. Yes. Glacially. If you think about just like time from a a wide scale. Glacial time. Let's do it. (laughs) Michelle says, are all Stewart's locations some kind of clandestine office? Are they all OTA affiliated? Why was Dr. Morrow kidnapped outside of one? Did Gutenberg infiltrate the OTA? I thought this was really funny (laughs) because Stewart's are just gas stations. They're they're all over the place in upstate New York. There's many hundreds. So the fact that coincidentally one is a secret base and the other one Dr. Morrow went to get snacks at and then got kidnapped there is very funny. And I love that Michelle drew in a direct line (laughs) between the two. It's like getting kidnapped outside of 7-Eleven. Julia, I was just going to say, I bet I can track most of my sort of like tragic and also important life events to like a Dunkin' Donuts or a 7-Eleven. <laughs> like, uh, like if I wanted to, most things in my life in New York City have happened in proximity to a Dunkin' Donuts. Like, let's just They're be honest. They're all around. Yeah. Or like, or like a nuts for nuts cart. <laughs> I think y'all are thinking way too small. Like clearly regional chains are only chains because they are co-opted by the government as spy and based things why else would there be a chain of anything stewart's government conspiracy you know it's in everyone's franchising contract that the government does have access to build a secret base whenever you like franchise a chain honestly i'm surprised that wasn't in some sort of ya book some urban fantasy novel that like the fact that there are so many starbucks around is Mm. that starbucks is run by a like the fairy court the sealy court and that is the way it needs to have enough so that they can have presences within the united states and then without with around the world exactly and like seattle was the first place to yeah where the for the easiest place to access from the sealy area like from the fairy wilds i don't know i i've somewhat used that in their ya book this is what we've been saying for years about the Cracker Barrel. You walk into one Cracker Barrel, you're in the same liminal space. Yep, yep. You can be in any <laughs> Everything on barrel. the menu has onion in it. The same Amanda, stay out. liminal racist-ass space. <laughs> I know. Um, I did read a, a book recently about the history of the supermarket, which was riveting. Um, and this is not that far off from how 7-Eleven started. So I'll, I'll let you guys look up the book to, uh, to learn more. The Sealy Court? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. It's called The Secret Life of Groceries, colon, The Dark Miracle of the American Supermarket. Mm. Good shit. Love it. All right, Spoily Corner. Is there a concern that with Val's family in the M trade, they are dealing with Gutenberg too? I mean, Who not until say? this moment. <laughs> Who can say? Who can say? Everything that's clicked into place in Julia's head. Mm-hmm. Is Emily working with Gutenberg, which is why her whole team was Pixels and she just got found out? Who, can, Who say? can say? Who can say? Maybe we'll never know. She seemed to be very adamant that that wasn't the case. Yeah. 
I think our characters believe that she didn't. Yeah. Enough that you wanted her to become the and friends. Yeah. <laughs> I I find that so funny that like you have an enemy for so long and you have your group of friends and as soon as you systematically destroy them being like, "Hey, you could be a franchise. Would you like that?" <laughs> Eric, that's called a hostile takeover. You bear hugged Emily Slaughter. Yeah. Yeah. We did. You super pumped Emily Slaughter. We did. This is going to revolutionize <laughs> the way God. that we look at superpowers in. Oh, I was doing Kermit. <laughs> yeah, you, you got, got Kermit into Kermit territory. <laughs> in Lake Town City. Emily is like, I don't know, is it VIP? Very VIP, very exclusive. And Friends yeah. is my favorite Friends spinoff. All right, continue. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Will the LT3 come to regret inviting Emily into the inner circle? Who can say? Who can say? Is Tegan in danger because Multitool asked them to participate in the investigation? Uh oh. Who can say? Uh Is Room Pixels? Is Room okay? Oh no. Who can say? No, Room's just a giant mushroom. Oh, phew. That's different. Room is sustainably resourced, all natural, organic. One up mushroom that grew to an enormous size and Ew. unrelated to the snacks that Sour Anthony. Only related in the way that, like, trail mix is related to an oak tree. Is mm. room related to Sour Anthony? I'm just <laughs> saying, you did make a giant bear out of pixels, though. So if Gutenberg decided to make a giant mushroom out of pixels, we wouldn't know. That's fair. I will tell you, I will ease your fears. Room is not, is not pixelated. Good. <laughs> Thank you. If you guys did not look at a major character, they're probably not pixels, but they might be, but they might not be. Rude. You know <laughs> Eric, what I mean? That wasn't like, rude answer. <laughs> you just said nothing, Eric. <laughs> I, that's fine. I know. Could be. Could not be. Who can say? They're probably not, unless I'm keeping it in my pocket for something else. <laughs> and finally, will someone please punch Gutenberg in the face before this campaign is over? I volunteer a tribute. Who can say? All right, people, that was our penultimate, a.k.a. second to last after party. You're welcome, high school students. We say fuck a lot, but we also do teach you SAT words from time to time. That's true. I think it's okay that high school is here to say the word fuck. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Did you guys see we got recognized by the Peabody Society for best podcast in radio that's supposed to be actual play, but it's really just swears and creation of food in fictional locations? I'm so glad they made that for us. I can't like, believe we finally it's, won. It's nice to feel valued. We've lost every year. It's nothing to do with the fact that I made a significant contribution to the Peabody Society <laughs> uh, on behalf of Multitude, but, uh, you know, glad it, glad it happened. We're fine. I actually have Amanda's birth certificate right here, and I'm opening up the manila envelope and then pulling it out, and it's Amanda Peabody McLaughlin. She's been <laughs> oh, the entire Eric, time. I was, I was just about to ask, are you sure this is the Peabody's or is this the Peabody's? Because those are two very different awards. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, these are uh, this, these are the Peabody's in which you go to a specific street in Boston, and <laughs> a bunch of guys say, what the fuck is a podcast, kid? <laughs> and then they hand you an award. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say Peabody is my favorite drag king. <laughs> That's also good. It's a good one. Oh, people. Uh, I love you all. I'm so excited. As a reminder, everybody, we have two more story episodes coming out next week and the week after, and then a final after party, the after party at the end of the book. So as always, make sure you get your questions in as you listen to those episodes and enjoy this journey with us. But we meant it. There's no bad Tuesdays. We're not taking a break, people. There's joint party content every Tuesday for the rest of the year and beyond. For the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to wait and see what comes next. Bye, guys. Later. Peepity. May your rolls trend ever upward. Mm-hmm.
<laughs> no notes. That was perfect. Input was, after the you, credits. You Great. nailed it. You got it. Dude. I'm not <laughs> If we had a soundboard, that would be on it, and toppings or bottoms would also be there. Toppings and are bottomings. The, Come on. Toppings are bottomings, and and just the loaded silence of Eric waiting until I was done with my thing, which I appreciate, honey, to say. <laughs> See that setting on grinder. <laughs>